0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Need Some Introduction. I'm your host, Victor, and in today's episode, we'll be breaking down the most recent episode of A Murder at the End of the World, the FX on Hulu mystery thriller, and this fourth episode, fourth of seven, I believe, is called Family Secrets. Stay tuned later this week. I'll be recapping the next episode of this same series and providing you some wintry, snowbound thrillers and horror movies you may want to discover or rediscover if you are enjoying this season of television, also stay tuned for some of that new content I was describing. It's the end of the year and there are many of our greatest filmmakers releasing films. We just saw David Fincher's Killer. So expect an episode covering this Netflix show. A lot of things coming out on Netflix, May, December, just this past week from Todd Haynes and its exploration of our fascination with tablight stories and inadvertently becoming famous or a celebrity. And that made me think of another film I've seen recently, Dream Scenario. So expect an episode exploring those two films and the themes within them. As for our week-to-week television coverage, of course, we will wrap up A Murder at the End of the World, which I believe is three more episodes now. And then I'm sure some year-end content, lots of movies coming out, a lot of awards contenders coming here late in the year. And a lot of that stuff is going straight to streaming, whether it is Netflix, which has a really interesting slate of films coming in the next couple of weeks, some of which I've already seen, plus the Apple TV premiere of some of their very expensive prestige films. So a lot of that will be covered before the end of the year in between our show coverage and early January, a show I'm very interested in and another snowy mystery for us all, tying directly with our current coverage, the latest season of True Detective starring Jodie Foster, definitely one of my most anticipated watches of this year was supposed to be this year or the subsequent year. Oh, and speaking of reality television and our fascination with peeking into the messy lives of supposedly average everyday people, there's a rather fascinating show right now on Paramount Plus and Showtime called The Curse, currently running about almost halfway through its run. And I've heard from a couple of you that you are actually watching this show. And it is also a show that I'm catching up on. I've only two episodes in. I think there's four out there now. So I definitely will be catching up on this. The strange, cringe comedy slash thriller possible horror show created by Nathan Fielder and Benny Safdie, and starring Emma Stone, who's giving an absolutely brilliant performance, who will also probably be an Academy Award frontrunner with the release next week of the film Poor Things. So lots to look forward to, probably a year-end wrap-up, many movies coming out, so expect to see reviews. And of course, now, with the strikes over, the content is flowing many shows that catch up on delayed releases coming out now. Next year may be pretty sparse considering the delays in production this year, but there will definitely be, inevitably be things to discuss here on the podcast. If you'd like to support the show, recommend this to your friends and family. It's primarily the way that our audience continues to grow. And if you're enjoying the content, give us a positive review or a star rating on your podcatcher of choice. We really do appreciate it. With that out of the way, let's get into my conversation with Sona. All right, Sona. So what was this name of this episode? Let me pull it up real quick. Out of curiosity, if there's any interesting clues in there.
1: Family something, I feel like.
0: I don't think the titles have been that important, but I do like to parse a title sometimes. There are sometimes I clues do too. in there. All right. So yeah, let's actually parse these titles since we probably have enough runway here to discuss them. The first episode was called Home Fatale rather than the Femme fatale. So basically making a reference to the fact that this is a film noir. Basically, in the old days, you have uh in the traditional film noir, you have the investigator who's the hard-boiled detective, usually a male, and of course the femme fatale is his downfall. Uh, in this particular case, of course, our detective is a female, and I guess uh Bill is her femme fatale, but um interesting fatal by the end of episode one, right? So <laughs> Episode two is called "The Silver Doe." What was the reference to a silver doe? Well, that's the name of the book that she wrote.
1: Because oh, it's, of course, of course, you know, yes, because the all silver, the, Jane the, Does the clues, with the silver. Mm,
0: yes, mm-hmm. yes. yeah. Episode three was called "Survivors." I guess these are the survivors of the <laughs> killings that are happening <laughs> here on the. I mean, I guess. Ah, yes. And episode four, our current episode, you are correct. It's called "Family Secrets." Of course, we have family secrets in this episode revealed more well, not to family. you <laughs> <laughs> so we start off immediately where we ended off with episode three where you know we have Andy telling everybody to get in the ground and we see that everybody's getting extremely paranoid down below they want to know what Darby thinks she's the expert she's the detective she thinks the pacemaker got hacked I think it's interesting the way she frames that too by the way she was I think he had she had a heart attack he had a heart attack which makes you yeah seem, well let me clarify
1: <laughs> because somebody murdered him <laughs> right. <laughs> Mm-hmm.
0: quite a quite a leap by the way on her part that she some a, a detail i completely forgot which is that while she's talking to rohan he gets a he's getting a call from his pacemaker um that they need to talk to him like there's like an emergency call for him a detail i completely didn't even process because everything was happening at the same time at the end of that episode but of course turns out to be important that she's like saying i bet you that's the call he was receiving about his pacemaker and uh, that his pay- pacemaker has been hacked. Uh, reminds me of uh, oh, what's that other show we discussed in the past um, with the ca- the hacked pacemaker, um, Homeland.
1: I was about to say, I feel like it happened on Scandal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it may have. It may have also.
1: <laughs> A more soap opera version of the White House uh, than right. Homeland. But Homeland oh, had it soapy. I, I would
0: too. argue that that turned pretty soapy <laughs> over time. So, <laughs> Although I do love that first season of that show.
1: Yeah, the fact that I could collapse them in my mind says a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It says a lot, right, exactly. And you can hack the pacemaker either by somehow getting onto the corporate cloud, which is probably very difficult to do, but you can have like a local RF reader device that can, uh, you know, you would assume, you know, if you're suddenly in an operation theater that you may need to turn it off or whatever, so you can actually locally hack it. And apparently there is such a device, just coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, such a device there in the operating OR there on the compound. And that morning, just coincidentally, I happened to notice that someone had taken it out of its case. Dun, dun, dun.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have questions about the level of sophistication that the medical care here is supposed to be, because on the one hand, they have this super advanced technology. On the other hand, the doctor was like- I uh, haven't done a tracheotomy since med school. Not that you should be doing <laughs> right. tracheotomies left and right, but maybe you would have somebody who had previously specialized in some sort of emergency medicine on site right. for this. T- I, it didn't quite track to me that in some ways they're so advanced and in other ways, not so much, but.
0: I don't know if they're actually making commentary here, but I can totally imagine that some of these high-end corporate compounds, like whether it's Facebook or Apple, etc. Would have like all the gadgets you can imagine, but maybe have like a very sparsely <laughs> populated actual medical staff. Yeah, so maybe that, that, I, I I believe that to be true. I don't know if they're actually making commentary here or if it's just co- co- you know convenience. But it, it is funny that you know that they have this machine like this rare machine. They're ready for any instance, and then they have someone who like one doctor who you know doesn't have, seem to be that expert at any kind of tra- you know traumatic medicine, which they definitely would need to.
1: (laughs) Some kind of hole in the human resources planning there, I feel. Yes,
0: absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I mean, because we know they have the money to hire whoever they
0: need. So Exactly. Then again, who would want to be there during a blizzard in the the middle of uh, Iceland?
1: I bet it pays great. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that is a good point very good point
1: point. <laughs> and probably for decades and decades or however long this place has existed no one has ever needed any medical care until just now exactly <laughs> when, <laughs> when everything is coming apart the wheels are coming off
0: <laughs> so not surprisingly at all like every single one of these snowbound murder mysteries of course there's a storm coming in it's knocked out communication this is like you know as as stereotypical and uh, cliched as possible. But of course, that's part of the recipe for these type of stories. So not surprising that that's the case. They're on a ticking clock and they're going to be cut off from the outside world.
1: And especially in the modern day, you have to explain why nobody can have cell service or why there's no Wi-Fi. So you need that
0: in order to move the plot forward. I do wonder why they are not allowed to have satellite phone communication i mean i would be calling immediately like i mean even if i was andy i'm like we need more medical staff we need i know i need i need more security guards like call somebody up now like if we all end up dead after this storm like someone should know
1: <laughs> i assume he has access to stuff right he's just right. turned it off for everybody else
0: yeah but still why would you not give them access to a satellite phone i mean unless they're, conspiring they're gonna coordinate with
1: more murders somehow <laughs>
0: It's <laughs> possible, but no one could get in with this storm. I don't know. Anyway, seems like you, know, you would at least let them speak to the outside world, at least if nothing else, to calm them down. They are literally mm. all having all these theories, all asking all these questions. What if Andy has organized them all here so he can kill off his competition one person at a time? Why can't they use satellite phones? It's a good question. Everybody's like saying, hey, why can't I have access to a satellite phone? Darby wants to have access to the body. They want to give her access to it. There's also a question as to like, what is the correct cutoff to be a millennial or not?
1: (laughs) That one struck me as really funny, though, because I do find as we age, it's like everyone younger is a millennial. And that's that (laughs) there weren't any subsequent names of generations. Just if they're younger than me, they're a millennial. Kind of thought that was a funny little exchange.
0: I literally looked this up, Googled it while I was seeing this particular scene, was what's the cutoff for a Zoomer? Because I'm like, Zoomer better not be a Zoomer, because that would be like really irritating. (laughs) (laughs)
1: little too on the nose, yeah.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But he just missed the cutoff, apparently. He's a little too young to be a Zoomer. I like how they're all quarantined. Stay in your rooms, but then you can have people visit you through the... Outside doors because Sien yes. just shows up at her, uh, you know, knocks on her glass and says, hey, let me in.
1: Yeah, I thought it was also funny that the safe room had like that huge conference table in it. What yes. circumstance <laughs> are they anticipating? <laughs> it looks like the UN Security Council could have a meeting in that safe room.
0: Yeah, you want to have a like have options to do other things, like if you're really going to be locked right, down there for a long really period of time. if you're
1: really stuck, some recliners,
0: you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like a, a television with some... Uh, yeah. Some movies to watch or something, I mean, some DVDs.
1: Yeah, it was very sterile.
0: So yeah, they go back to their rooms after they do some kind of sweep. It is interesting to think of like who was down there. I did wonder Andy's number two, whose name is David, was down there, and I did make me wonder like why wasn't he with uh, Andy during that period of time? Mm-hmm. Is Andy mistrustful of Lee even, or while they're doing the sweep, or is this to protect them? Do you have a, any guess on that, or is a combination of both?
1: Maybe it's like when I try and work and I'm like, the kid can't be here. I don't care where he is, but he can't be here.
0: That's a good point. Zoomer has to stay with somebody and he might as well leave it with the mom, right? He's going to be much calmer.
1: Yeah. Although this family, I'm shocked that they don't have a nanny that we've seen, but.
0: They probably have one, but she's probably not like a main character yet. But I could be wrong about that. Maybe they want to have as few people there as possible because of this, whatever this thing is. So yeah, they go back to their rooms. They have to hand in all of their electronic devices. Although they won't even have internet access soon thereafter, anyway. But then again, if you're afraid of a hacker, then of course those hackers don't have to have internet access. They can like get onto your local network, and you know, like just like Darby did when she got onto the security cameras. So any kind of electronics could be a potential vector. Then again, I do find it funny that they're trusting that, like you know, Darby's handing over all their electronics. Like you could have like just a whatever a small hacker device, like an Arduino or something just hidden on yourself and, and you know, they're just like trusting that they're handing over their laptops. Okay. No questions asked. True. So like I mentioned, CN shows up at Darby's door. She opens up the door. Once again, very funny that they're like, you guys are quarantined. Do not come back out. We're going to lock this door behind you. <laughs> but of course, if you walk outside, you can just go into anybody's <laughs> room if you want to. Yes. <laughs> Conveniently murder anyone you want. <laughs> just not in the hallway. She does a test where she talks to her about like uh Emacs, like what her preference is, and Cien has no idea what she's talking about. So she thinks she's very clever that, aha, you had no response to what I said. You can't possibly be a hacker. Emacs is just like a file editor, basically, that most uh, developers use, or one or the other. And uh, so she didn't respond to that. So he's like, okay, you're not a hacker. Uh, Maybe not the best way to test someone's a hacker because of something we see later on in this episode.
1: True, but I guess she had to think on her feet. I'll give her this.
0: True. We find out that Sien worked with, is it Sien or Xion? How how does she pronounce her name? I don't know, I forget. I don't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) But she finds out that she had worked with Andy in designing the compound himself. So she's pretty familiar with it. You know, they make their escape into the hallway. She says, use the flashlight to blind the cameras as you walk by. So she seems to know how to get around this place.
1: It's a good tip for in the future when I need to blind cameras. (laughs)
0: That's right. She says, I can take you to go see Rohan's body. What do they discover here when they see the body? Anything uh, stand out to you?
1: I'm trying to remember because now in my head, I'm confusing it with the scene where they look at the body in the past. I don't know. Did much of anything come out of that?
0: Yeah. I think of the same thing. I don't have any notes around that, which I'm sure yeah. they did, a, you know, it, which is funny. I remember seeing oh, him on I mean, the, the table. And the incision, she's basically, saying, there's the incision for the pacemaker. I don't know if they needed to see the incision because they knew he had a pacemaker. Yeah. Why would he lie about that? right? So. Yeah, so it's pretty funny that she wants to see the body and they really don't find anything. I mean, I guess they could see if there was any other kind of trauma to the body other than uh, the pacemaker. It could be a separate cause. But I don't think they inspect the body. Like He could have been injected with something. I don't think they look that closely. But this is basically just an excuse for Darby to tell Sien that He had been signaling somebody using Morse code. Once again, she has to explain why she knows Morse code. It's like, it's not that people, it's not that big a deal. (laughs) A lot of kids just learn Morse code for fun when they're kids. Like it's not that big a deal. If you were to Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, you probably had to learn the Morse code to get a badge or whatever. It's all right. You don't have to keep explaining it. Sien wants to head out into the snow. She's been to the moon. She's not afraid of a little bit of cold, but they also have these suits that will regulate their temperature. So she's not afraid to go out there, but they do want to get out there before the storm hits. Obviously, they grab a snowmobile, beautiful shots of the snowmobile crossing the snow here.
1: Here's my question for you. Yeah. Maybe Mm -hmm. I have just become so cynical, but is this all somehow computer generated or is this real scenery that I'm looking at?
0: I think this is real scenery. There are shots where you see Darby on the back of the motorcycle, and we also saw it when Darby was hiking with Rohan last week, where their background is CGI and there's no breath coming out of their mouths, by the way, in that um when she's walking with uh, Rohan last week. And the background looks so fake. it's definitely CGI, mm-hmm. which makes me think that this beautiful shot of them traversing the landscape has got to be a real shot because they're, they're you know unless they spent all their special effects budget on this and then they um okay. uh, you know because the other special effects whatever they're like on medium or close up and there's like some fake background behind them it looks so artificial that this one did look real uh so maybe yeah maybe i i would assume that they have um it's it could be a composite also that's the other option this could be an actual drone shot of an actual locale and then the motor side uh, the uh snowmobile might just be a snowmobile like in the middle of like Colorado somewhere, and they're just compositing the two things together. Interesting. But, uh, it, it worked for me. I thought it was a beautiful shot. Of
1: I the, agree, uh, it was beautiful, but then I was cynical and I was like, why wouldn't it be beautiful? It's not even it. real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the rationale here, too, that, you know, uh, Shen says, you know, you can.
1: Are you just going to switch through all the possible pronunciations? I'll just pronounce it every way
0: possible. <laughs> Um, I'll just call it Alice Braga. Alice Braga's character is wi- <laughs> willing to <laughs> to uh, head out on her own, but Darby yes. says, "Well, it's better. I would prefer not to stay here and get, uh, you know, morphine OD while I'm sleeping. Who knows who can walk into those rooms, by the way? I'd rather be among, uh, you know, in-, in a collective as well, <laughs> rather than being by myself at that point." So they want to know. Uh, she, you know, once again had explained that Rohan was signaling somebody. She wants to know who it might have been. So she takes her out to that bluff where she signaled into the distance. They're like, okay, well, let's see what's over in that area. Let's find out who that person might be. Maybe there's like somebody camped out there or something or another locale we're not familiar with and question that person. They go out there. They don't find a person or any campsite or anything, but they do find a rope attached to, what do they call this thing? A uh, Zodiac. A Zodiac. Yes. Zodiac, of course, uh, which is just a like inflatable raft that you can take out to a larger ship. Rohan probably had a ship docked offshore. One of the crew members probably would take that uh, similar Zodiac out to that location, was signaling via Morse code with Rohan. And then, of course, when Rohan needed to make his escape, eventually there would be a surplus Zodiac there for him to take. Uh, So this is important for two reasons. One, we kind of understand that Rohan was working with somebody else, that he probably has a ship nearby. And of course, inevitably, I'm pretty sure that the survivors are going to need to take that Zodiac to that ship at some point at the end of this season, I would assume. Mm -hmm. But of course, we see forebodingly the storm is coming in. They don't have time to... I don't know what they're trying to open the Zodiac. I mean, you don't inflate it now. (laughs) But I mean, I would open it because maybe there's something else in there. Maybe there's a satellite phone or something additionally in that, but they weren't able to actually open the container in time. So they uh, head back the way they came.
1: Yeah, my thinking was that maybe it was the packaging for the zodiac, but then someone was stashing someone else True. something else inside.
0: I assume there's a zodiac in there because someone's going to need a quick escape, but absolutely correct. I think that, you know, I can imagine if you did want to have a satellite phone or something, just put it in there. It's like that's a right. watertight container. You might as well put anything else you need in there as well. I complained last week that I'm like, I don't even know what these people are, who these people are, what they're doing here. And I got to tell you, this was exhausting. I was taking so many notes because (laughs) on that snowmobile ride, we get like an info dump about everybody's biography, everybody's bones to pick with everybody. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. I hate this type of writing. I understand, especially with mysteries. You need to do some of this groundwork, but I do like when it just kind of gets integrated into conversations or you see people get into a fight at dinner and then like that leads to a revelation about their instead of just having two people talk back and forth about like this is who this person is here's how they knew them and i'm just like okay okay
1: <laughs> they're just throwing names around and i'm trying just, to track backwards like oh exactly. that must be that angry middle-aged guy and yeah, yes exactly it's, yeah
0: so these are the ones i took note of and there's I'm going to focus only on this small set of characters because normally with murder mysteries, the suspects early on never turn out to be the actual suspects. So mm-hmm. I'm sure they will have us give us even more biographies. First of all, we find out that Lu Mei, Joan Chen, I didn't know who she was. Uh, and I guess they did mention this earlier. She's like basically has another AI company from China. She's considered the biggest competitor to Andy's company as far as AI goes but she's there because he still thinks that she's like the cream of the crop as far as like the new the newest AI. So I guess he wants to, you know, maybe suss out additional advances that they have coming so that he can be competitive with them. Alice Braga, I'm just going to call her Alice Braga again. <laughs> Alice Braga mentions that <laughs> that if there was going to be anybody who would want to kill Bill, kill Bill, what mm-hmm. is um, it would be Joan Chen's cal- character, Lou Lu May because he was primarily targeting her with his satirical artwork and that David was angry. This is interesting now. So David is basically his right-hand man. He didn't have a reason to kill Bill, but he wants Andy's undivided attention. And ever since Zoomer came along, he's been Mm -hmm. distracted as a dad. So that is another possible suspect here. Now, why exactly he's a suspect questionable because no one's targeted Zoomer yet. I guess everybody, I wonder how many people know.
1: I mean, I was going to speculate something about the paternity is going to come out. And so he's trying yeah. to protect Andy, but I don't know.
0: We saw Andy being jealous about Bill in public, even there. And you have to suspect that Andy knows that, I mean, he's not an idiot, right? He has to know that. The thing I speculated on last week, right? That Bill is the the Zoomer's father, basically.
1: I feel like he has to know, but I also feel like this is a situation where someone could be in a very deep denial.
0: True, that's a good point. The other thing we find out along the way here is that this weird scene, once again, some clunky dialogue here, where the Alice Braga (laughs) character—I'm going to keep saying that (laughs) now—where she uh, talks about her dad. (laughs) I think it
1: might be Sion. I feel like they've been saying Sion. Okay, but I'm not 100% on that.
0: I think I think I think you're onto it there. Finally, (laughs) let's just say that. Let's go with it. That her dad died from suicide. He had PTSD. Thematically hitting things right on the head, where she's just like saying, you know, toxic masculinity is bad for women, but it's even worse for men. <laughs> it kills men too, you know. So, okay, I got it. I got it.
1: <laughs> I
0: didn't love that, but yeah, <laughs> that might be a theme, right? That could be a theme within the show, and I think develop oh, So we'll we'll see. That's a good point. So like I mentioned, the storm is rolling in There's so many of these conversations where they're obviously like introducing character points, suspects, biographies, uh, you know, motivation. It's just like, it's too much. Like, I'm like, man, I need a break. And we do get one very soon thereafter. Snowmobile seizes, by the way, they keep walking now at this point, trying to get ahead of the storm. They find an SUV. Sian is able to hack the SUV. All of a sudden, Darby's like, hold on a second. Are you a hacker? She's like, well, I know navigation systems. I, I've been to the moon for God's sakes. But she does start to say like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be trusting this woman as much as I am.
1: Yeah, because it definitely seems like she is a hacker. I mean, knowing navigation systems isn't the same in my mind as knowing how to hack them.
0: Right, exactly. They're driving the car back way too fast. I'm not sure why she's in such a hurry to drive. So
1: fast. Why so (laughs) fast? I mean, I rarely drive, but in these circumstances, you were going to walk. What you're doing now is definitely faster than walking. Right. So why not find some middle ground between walking and like speeding down this black ice highway? <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> exactly. And you know that they're going to crash at some point. But, mm-hmm. and you also, I guess from a character point of view, you can imagine, you know, a lot of times astronauts, you know, they like to fly fast. They like to drive fast. So she's probably like, I got this, I got this. Understandable, but they are like driving along like a ridge line, and like you said, no rush here. You're you're beating your your foot speed by right. quite a factor of ten or twenty. So you're doing okay. You're doing okay. And then thank God, finally we have a flashback, which is all my preference uh, in this show in general.
1: <laughs> oh, by the way, while they were having that conversation too, I thought if I were Darby, I would just be like. Let's discuss this when we get back. You focus on the rope, right?
0: Exactly. Now. Exactly. Let's not talk about this right now. I know, you know, I have a lot of questions too, but let's uh, <laughs> we could just ruminate now and until th- we get to <laughs> I was so relieved to get the break by doing the flashback. <laughs> I literally wrote in my notes. I was like, oh, we got a flashback. Thank God. I was like I'm tired of taking notes, like having the show tell me what I'm supposed to be thinking. But there's one more thing that I didn't bring up. I was so caught up in like the biography and the murder mystery, but motivation here and maybe bigger themes they're trying to dig into. It turns out we find out here Andy has been siphoning money away from the space program. Turns out that she has yes. CN is the face, or CN is the face of the space <laughs> We're program. <back> to the... <laughs> Whatever. I don't remember Sorry. what we decided on yesterday. The name
1: carousel. <laughs> Sian, exactly. I think, is what we committed to. Sion. 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 Sion.
0: Sion. She is um, basically the face of the space program and she does a lot of PR for it, but it turns out that all the money they've raised has just been siphoned off. There's no plans to do space missions and they're pouring all this money into these other projects that he's working on and the spacesuit and this compound apparently is testing out some technology because her guess is that Andy has an anticipation and maybe this show is going to go straight on sci-fi by the end of it, given this fact that he suspects that there is, climate crisis is imminent, right? So that's what mm-hmm. attention. So how did and you feel also, about this yeah.
1: yeah, so we haven't explicitly discussed it, but I feel like, and tell me if you disagree, he's supposed to be some combination of like Elon Musk and Jeff yes. Bezos
0: or something, and, right? Yeah, I think so.
1: <laughs> or, you know, like just a, a tech guy, but a little bit... I feel like Jeff Bezos is grounded in reality, but just, you know, ridiculously unimaginably rich. And Elon Musk, also unimaginably rich, but, you know, in my mind, not so grounded in reality. um so I think I think that's I thought, a good
0: combination, yeah, because he, he you know, uh, uh, I think the people have been making the analogy that he's supposed to be like a Musk. But like you said, I don't see any of the kind of like trolling that Musk seems to be fixated on now. And I think that's what most people, when you do see these figures in recent pop culture, uh, like I have not watched this show at all, but I hear there's basically a, a direct Elon Musk metaphor within. I think the John Ham character, right on the morning show currently, which I don't watch, like I said, but I haven't watched are... it
1: either. Although I've been meaning to, but I feel like it's too too many seasons in at this point for me to catch up.
0: I also hear it's off, absolutely terrible, but people like to watch it and make fun of it. So, <laughs> but I've never oh, really? watched it, so I can't say one way or the other.
1: Interesting. So. Yeah, so I thought this was especially interesting with the – they probably made this reference before, but this real focus on the space program and, right, right. you know, Elon Musk's – is it called SpaceX, I think? And, yes. you know, whether it's actually going to literally figuratively go anywhere. So I thought that was interesting.
0: Bezos has Blue Origin, right? So he has his own
1: right. uh, space yes.
0: program, basically. All these and billionaires I think that's actually with maybe a so better- much money <laughs> – Yes, but but that may actually be a better meta, better metaphor that you're describing there because I do think that Andy at least tries to give the impression that he is like trying to, you know, he's trying to better the world, like you know, yes,
1: he cares. it's yeah,
0: it's questionable if spending billions upon billions of dollars on these kind of speculative uh, technologies when realistically, very small investments now could have huge benefits in the future. And like, that's a whole other conversation to get into, but uh, you know, like just kind of like literally shoot for the moon Uh, or you hear like Musk basically saying, well, the earth is over. (laughs) We have to think about colonizing other planets. So it's like, you know, having that kind of attitude (laughs) is uh, probably not productive and maybe there will be additional commentary, but I do want to call it out because this is, I think not only maybe thematically what the show is going to be about, it obviously is going to be important to whatever happens next in the mystery.
1: I mean, you're saying what the show is going to be about, but we're halfway through at this point, right?
0: More than halfway through. You're good point, yes. So,
1: so maybe that's its own issue, if this is a little bit still up for conversation, what the show is about. But yeah, it definitely is giving that impression, right, of like a Wizard of Oz type character, like pay no mind to the man behind the curtain. Maybe what he's portraying and what's really going on are different. But I thought it was interesting also that Sion would know all of this, right? Right. The, yeah, She has not been fooled or they have disclosed to her what's really going on or somehow she figured it out or what happened, but she understands like she's in on it.
0: Well, a couple of things there. She does seem to have his confidence given that she mentions he helped or she helped design the compound with him. And the second part of it that I think is just the fact that let's say that she is the face of the space program and she's been raising money, et cetera. She knows internally that there are no logistical plans for another mission. As a matter of fact, they're cutting staff. Everything she's basically pitching, the culture at large, is smoke and mirrors. At some point, whether he told her explicitly or not, she's got to just figure out there's something going on. Because she's not aware that he is definitely investing the money in these other ecological technologies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just that she's like where else is the money going she knows that that's mm-hmm. his focus and it's not going to the space program i think that will definitely all get fleshed out in the upcoming episodes mm-hmm. and like you mentioned there's only three more episodes and, and i'll leave that for the end but i am curious to think about where you think the show is at this point and where it needs to get to yeah there's a lot of revelations coming this late in the game i'm actually kind of okay with that i don't like exposition dumps in general but with 3 episodes to go they do need to set up the end game at this point like you have to at least put the clues on the board right i agree with that yeah and then we have a very cool seeing the 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 um suv spin off the road and roll down the hill and it's not a special effect pretty clear and probably
1: i gasped i actually literally <laughs> gasped
0: this is such low stakes but you know it's like watching a Christopher Nolan movie or something where he does everything practically. Where just seeing an old school stunt is like literally mm-hmm. thrilling to watch because mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, this some. Um, they actually did that, and that there's just <laughs> something much more intense about it. Obviously, and no matter how good special effects get, it's still you can't. You know, the the real thing still matters. Speaking of which, have you seen the most recent Mission Impossible movie by chance? The one that came out this summer. I have not. They, there's this really great scene where they take like a micro car. The two protagonists are in the car basically drive it down the steps the um the spanish steps in in italy yeah italy mm -hmm. it's very funny they're trying to drive down them the car's so small they actually start rolling down them and it's all done practically and you actually see the camera in the car as their bodies are being like bounced around and they end up like in like the driver ends up on the wrong side of the car it's very funny (laughs) but anyway Mm -hmm. it's very thrilling it's just very it's just like a great action sequence i just want to call that out because a practical stunt still matters so then we get this flashback Darby gets knocked out. I'm not sure how having her head exposed in that frigid, frigid weather for that period of time is okay. She does have like frostbite on her face, but regardless mm-hmm. of that, <laughs> she uh, does uh, crawl out into the snow with this wound on her face. It's funny. At first I'm thinking like, well, maybe this was all a trick by Shen. <laughs> oh, I, I still can't forget.
1: It might be wrong, but it's what we're going with.
0: <laughs> we're going with, Exactly. <laughs> That maybe this was all a trick by her. Like maybe she intentionally had the accident and she was strapped in or whatever. So that Darby. I wondered that too. Yeah. In the moment I did. But then of course, then she grabs her and puts her on Mm a sled, which apparently was Mm -hmm. in the car, I guess, Uh, which makes sense when you would have that. I
1: also had the same thought process. Where did that come from? I guess in this kind (laughs) of weather, they just keep it in the car all the time. You never know. Yeah.
0: Exactly. I mean, when you go to a ski resort or something, you know, you always have that as a, Emergency sled in case you need to get somebody mm-hmm. off the mountain. So I mean, it would make sense that they would have it, you know, as a you know as a fallback in case of an emergency. And yeah, she pulls her through the snow back to the cabin. But before we even realize that that's what's occurring, we have this whole flashback. This is how the show is for me in general. There's some very cool things here. I like the way Bill comes up with spend a night in a hotel by finding a couple that's checking out early, mm-hmm. helping them with their bags. He sees their room number, he sees their name, and then they jump into the pool, pretend that they forgot their room keys. They go inside, ask for the keys. This, I think, is actually pretty clever. It's uh, you know a little bit of a hack without being technical, obviously, and it's kind of in character with him. But hilariously is the other things that are sprinkled in here. He walks into the sunlight and suddenly sneezes, and he explains in detail... You know, not oh my only gosh. that he has this syndrome, but what it stands for and everything else. And as they're spending so much time on this, once again, I'm like, I like immediately do. I'm like, oh, I know mm-hmm. what's going to happen
1: and that and it's genetic. it happens he definitely Ex- throws that course. in there that it's i got it from my
0: dad exactly it has mm-hmm. to be all written out for the audience it's just very funny how they signpost every single clue here in the show on the negative side as soon as i saw that i'm like oh my god bill is the dad this better not be like the reveal in two episodes <laughs> well what about know?
1: the conversation about the psychic who said that? oh my god, he, he would yes. all oh so painful yeah yes
0: and that's the next one, yeah. So for anybody who forgot or didn't watch the show, there's a conversation where he asks Darby, do you want to have any kids? And she's like, well, that's a weird conversation to have, which is true because you know, they, they're not intimate at this point. It's kind of very suggestive to bring that up. And he goes, well, the reason I'm thinking about it, I plan to have seven kids because this psychic told my mom <laughs> that I was only going to have one kid and it was going to be with someone that I had a one night stand with. <laughs> I'm like, my God, like how on the nose is all this? <laughs> Insane. So Two things about that, you know. First of all, we get it, we get it, everybody. Yes, thank you so much for driving it into our faces that you know we're going to have the reveal, luckily, sooner rather than later, that Bill is the father of Zoomer. The other part I want to bring up here is like I mentioned in, in bringing up the OA in our previous recap, these creators, Britt Marling and the director here on the show, who've basically done everything together so far in their careers, really do believe in all this woo woo stuff. They have a movie called i Origins, it's about how someone's soul can be ID basically by retinal scans. Like, you know, if your retinas matches that that's the mm-hmm. incarnation of another person, the OA is literally, you know, the OA spoiler alert for anybody. The OA stands for original angel. <laughs> There is all this woo-woo stuff, and these filmmakers, I think, actually believe a lot of this woo-woo stuff. So I think they probably would believe that, yeah, you go see your psychic, and they tell you how many kids you're going to have, and you're going to die young, and they're absolutely correct mm-hmm. <laughs> Then there's no irony. I don't think there's any irony in this. Uh, in some cases, you'd say, oh, this is some kind of foreshadowing or something, but I don't think so. I think in this case, the filmmakers believe all this stuff. And once again, as I mentioned before, if anything, I'm just happy that they haven't gone full woo-woo on this show the way they have in some of their other projects. So this has been you know, pretty grounded up until this point, at least up until this point. So we'll see how it plays out for the rest.
1: So you skipped over the whole thing with the body that they identified. Does that mean you find it uninteresting or unimportant?
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's actually a really good point. You know what? I do have a note on that. I forgot to bring that up. You're absolutely correct. So they go and visit a coroner, right, in another town. They wanted to identify this body. That's why they were on this road trip in the first place. Found this silver, right? This is the the telltale of this serial killer. They matched it to this body. And more importantly, they found another piece of silver on that body. So these clues are breadcrumbs that are leading backwards towards his previous victim. And now, theoretically, they believe. Explain to me how they think that the next killer, I'm sorry, the next victim, is going to be his first victim. Do you know how they know that that's the case? Is it just because they don't have any other unidentified bodies?
1: This scene was the scene where I had to admit to myself that I might not be completely following this. (laughs) plot point in the past, because either I'm not paying enough attention or enough is not being given to me to tie everything together. I'm not sure where the fault lies, but it's not nearly as clear to me as the President Day storyline. I think the answer to your question, I think, is that the ring they found was engraved with the name E. Bell, and that is not the current victim who has been identified. So they feel like, for some reason, they feel like this is it coming full circle. And if they find the person that ring belongs to, that will be his last victim, his first victim. I, I, I'm not sure. His first. first victim, I think. Yeah.
0: So what's happening there is they found a victim that survived. They found some silver that she had, some jewelry that she had that wasn't hers at the time. They traced that pin, I think it was, back to this victim because they have this survivor and they have this breadcrumb, they use that pin to identify the previous victim, right? And then they find a pattern. They say, we also found some silver with her. They find this ring, like you mentioned, but it had initials on it that weren't hers. So now they're starting to suss out that I think this killer leaves a piece of silver from the previous victim, right? So there's a chain here of clues that lead backwards to so intentionally in a way it's like he's wanting to be found out right? He's like leaving some breadcrumbs which okay. does happen sometimes with killers theoretically at least. In
1: that is an incredibly helpful explanation. <laughs> okay. I appreciate it. But how are they linking the pin with the other victim? Like logistically, practically, how is that happening?
0: I think they just did like an internet sleuthing where, I mean, I think there was actually a moment where they did this in the previous episode or maybe even further back when they do this in flashback. They basically said, here's a picture of the pin. Is there any case files? Is there anything on the internet? Any chatter about someone who had missing silver? Yeah, because I, I think that's that. why they have okay. the- I think that's part of the reason they think that they're getting close to the beginning. They have like a pool of possible victims. And I think what they've done is they are pinning some of these murders onto this killer. And I think the reason she says, I think we're getting close to the end, is because I think that of these silver linked murders, I think they don't have many more possible dots to connect. And then to that point, if you're always working your way backwards and you only have one or two victims left, then- There is that idea, you know, like Silence of the Lambs where you covet the thing you see every day first that the first victim of a serial killer, uh, and this is historically pretty accurate, I think. You know, you always hear these biographies where they killed their grandmother first, they killed their Mm ex-girlfriend first, they killed their neighbor first. So it's always like whoever the first victim is, is close to you. And then of course, then if you don't get caught, these killers will then start to become less obvious, right? With their prey. But in the first case- once again, like there's that idea that Buffalo Bill kills that girl who he lives near in that if it's the first murder. And that's how, once again, how Jodie Foster's character finds him, right? By just going working her way backwards towards the first murder and identifying that first one is how you get the killer, right? So I think this is very much borrowing from you know Science of the Lambs and other serial killer dramas like that.
1: That I get. I guess I just I'm a little bit hung up on the idea that I have a silver pin. Right. that maybe i was i was wearing it the night i was killed but then when they find me there's no pin and right. then that pin ends up on the next victim right so i guess i i just theoretically unless everybody associated with all these victims is in that same online group to recognize the jewelry i guess i'm not understanding how that identification is happening assuming that like i'm a grown person and That night when I left, nobody really has an accounting of every single detail of my outfit. They might not know the color of my top and my jeans or whatever, but do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it just seems strange to me that something that has gone, that is absent from when my body is found is then identified as linked with the next victim, unless somehow everybody is just like hyper online that is involved with these victims, which is possible.
0: First of all, I think it is probably just an oversight on the writing side of things. But I think that there is some reality in this when you actually watch these shows about people who have caught killers, like the Don't F with Cats, if you guys have never seen that documentary on Netflix, where these, um, this is a very grisly story, but maybe i won't go into details here but it's a very interesting documentary about these online sleuths that basically are all like cat lovers and there's somebody who is who is actually a serial killer who actually kills people but has posted a video of him killing a cat and these people get very upset about seeing this so then on this online forum starts to like break down like zoom in on details like here's what i see in this hotel room so this is this is taking place in canada like they suss out all these details from this video and they all work collaboratively and to your point Sona, it's not that like everybody's in one chat room that that has this information. It's that these networks are so like, you can imagine that one of them is like a retired detective mm-hmm. so that he can get into the detective files or he can talk to his friend at the office. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of months, you know, if someone puts up a flag and says, hey, we're looking for any victim that might be missing uh, silver, then it's not that they're all just having a chat. This small group of people will then reach out to their connections, will reach out to their connections. I mean, it's like the power of social media in a way, right? And then over the course of months, you are able to solve a case like the way they solved the golden uh gate um killer as well right recently where there was that whole uh, online detective group that helped ca- crack that case as well. Once again, I don't think the show's giving us all this context, but it is kind of how these things work, so it's believable to me anyway. Okay. So yeah, there is some precedent for it. But uh, yeah, I mean the idea that you would just ask five people, "Hey, have you seen this?" and they come back and say like these are the 10 victims you're looking for. I don't think it's that simple, but I think it is like, you know, we're going to check into our usual you know, Reddit boards and, you know, reach out to our community, et cetera. And then, you know, come back. Okay. Cause
1: I'm just going to say as a grown person, Mm -hmm. if something were to happen to me, I think that my loved ones would be hard pressed to identify (laughs) any piece of jewelry I was wearing once it was disconnected from my body, unless it was my wedding ring. Other than that, I don't think there's any way the people that I see day in and day out would be able to identify a random piece of jewelry as belonging to me. Maybe that says more about me than it says about anyone else. But
0: I agree, by the way, that, you know, first of all, if your wedding ring suddenly disappeared, then they would just assume it was a theft, right? Because it's probably valuable as opposed to like a piece of silver, which is not that valuable. Right. So to that point, I think you're right that that is something that's. Questionable, but maybe more importantly, is finding the silver that is not yours, right? So she has a silver pin, the woman who survived, and she knows she didn't have that, right? Or for example, they have- The woman who survived,
1: yes. Okay.
0: I'll give you that. But also to that point, when Darby first notices the whole silver clue with that girl that they find they find the girl she has one earring instead of two mm-hmm, it's a mm-hmm. dangly earring and then you see her walking around school and she's the one and who and she's says,
1: saying right girls don't wear earrings like this thank who you would wear this? okay
0: exactly so this i think that's a what it is this is a little more
1: helpful okay
0: yeah I, I mean i do think it's a convenient plotting but i do think in its defense that it is finding something as an outlier right like a silver ring not Got taken- it but put there that doesn't have our initials on it, that immediately would make you scratch your head because yes. you would you would yeah. investigate it immediately because you're like, maybe it's the killer's ring, right? Like you'd want to know, or for example, there's this pin and the survivor says, not my pin. Once again, that would raise an alarm. It would definitely make the case file because they'll be like, maybe this is the killer's ring, a uh, pin I should mm-hmm. say, right? Mm-hmm. So that okay. would be something that someone would pay attention to, right? If you, okay. you know, if your body was found and you were wearing one earring that Joel would say, I have never seen her wear an earring in that style, then that would probably make it to the case file, right?
1: Yes, except I'm sure that many women will (laughs) say- Joel be like, I don't know. I don't know why he would give me this. I've never worn anything that looks anything like this. Why would he think I would like this? This is not my style. But putting that aside, this was all very helpful exposition for me. Maybe it was obvious to everyone else who's watching this show, but- I definitely needed those dots connected. And again, I don't know if that's a failure on my part or the show's part, because as you pointed out, it was all in there. But I needed someone to hold my hand
0: a little bit on this. It also is that, the, I mean, in your defense as well, is the fact that the show really is making you pay attention to two mysteries. One is- Yeah, yeah in the present tense, we're supposed to solve the case, right? Like it's the mystery where it's like, who done it, right? Like you literally are sitting there going, who did this? Who did this murder? It has to be someone that we know. It's a closed room murder, right? That's the whole formula. On the other hand, you have like a serial killer thriller going in the background. The assumption when you watch Silence of the Lambs or something is not that Buffalo Bill is going to be one of the characters we've met. The (laughs) idea is that you're going to reveal this killer over time. So you are basically, it's pulling you in two different directions in these two different storylines, right? So-
1: and I think also I'm interested in the dynamic between Darby and Bill, so I'm kind yes, of focusing yes. on that oh, more than I the agree. actual yes. underlying story. So that probably is part of it as well, because as you pointed out, it is it has all been told to us. But I think my focus hasn't been on those right. details because I'm interested in watching the two of them together.
0: Oh yeah, I mean that's what it comes down to. I to your to your point of you know starting this whole. Digression that I was jumping to the night in the hotel room because once again I want to talk about Bill and Darby because yeah. that's what works <laughs> the best in the show, and uh, yeah, I even wanted to—I couldn't wait till they get to the flashback because I'm like, oh my god, I'm started. I'm tired of reading people's biographies. I want something <laughs> you know compelling to happen for for a few minutes, other than the scenery, which is beautiful by the way. Agree. So <laughs> back to where we were in the hotel room. Yes. And Darby, you know, to your point earlier. Uh, in a pre- earlier episode, you were discussing how she's probably just 16, 17, 18 years old, maybe. So she's probably younger than I originally suspected, given all the details you provided. So here she is trying to make her move on this older dude, and she is getting herself drunk. And what do you make of this scene? She comes outside, she starts kissing him. He immediately is like, he's into it. And then he's immediately like, no, we're, I, I got to go to bed. I got to go. Like very awkwardly just cuts it off, which of course is probably traumatic to her as a, you know, yes. bruised ego. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: But then she wakes up the next morning. He comes back with some coffee and he's just like, I do want to do this. And then they go for it. And it's, it's a very strange. Obviously, it's intentional to have him reject her and then not. Um, and I couldn't get a read on what's happening here. There is that I... whole manic pixie dream boy thing going on where there's like a lot of consent. There's a lot, you know what I mean? Like it, maybe that's all they're doing. They want to rewrite the sex scene where it is not the traditional rip each other's clothes off type situation. Maybe, but I feel like there's something going on here and I don't know what it is.
1: I felt like it was um, supposed to make us respect Bill that he took a more measured approach and wanted to make sure that everyone had considered the consequences of all of this um, rather than just seizing the moment. That's what I read it as.
0: When I was preparing to have this conversation with you, I came up with an absolutely crazy theory, which I'm going to put in here now because okay, just in case it pans out. Let's hear it. What if Bill has a twin brother? <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> what if it's like the twin was like, I can't do this. And then the twin shows up the next day. And is like, okay, like that's the real Bill. Maybe there's another Bill that's going to pop up. <laughs> like maybe Bill, di- maybe Bill didn't die. Maybe it was Bill's twin brother who died.
1: Oh, I hope it's not that. Um <laughs> why? Maybe that's who's why? out on the
0: boat with Rohan's boat.
1: <laughs> why would would that be?
0: <laughs> just because he has such a bizarre like he literally is like, okay, I got to go. Got to go to bed. Like he's like totally it seems I mean he's kind of going with it and then he's like, "Really?" just yeah, abruptly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know? I agree with that characterization.
0: Uh, and then there there are movies that this reminds me of that, you know, but I don't want to spoil those movies. So anyway, where there's twins. <laughs> <But> anyway. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so I'll just say like, what if he's a twin? And I wouldn't put it past, once again, I would not put it past these guys to go crazy at the end. And like, you know, that Bill shows up or Bill's twin brother shows up, which would be a strange twist in, in the show. But anyway, I did think, I did think about that because there's such a different response between those two scenes. I sure hope it's not that. <laughs> I hope so, too. I just wanted to put it out there. Just in case I turned out to be right, <laughs> I want to put yes. it out there. Yeah, fair.
1: <laughs> you would want credit for such a banana's <laughs> <laughs> um, development in the plot. I get it.
0: <laughs> I don't actually believe that, but <laughs> you never know. But then they do have this love scene, and it is, um, it's is—it's a very sweet scene, actually, between the two of them. It's sexy, too. Mm-hmm. I agree. Once again, these actors have a good chemistry. So Darby wakes up. She's back at the compound. This wasn't a trick to trying to kill her in the snow. <laughs> she's been dragged all the way back. And while she is being resuscitated, two questions I have here for you, or actually I just probably one and then we'll save the other one for a minute later. But the morphine, she doesn't want the morphine. Is she a recovering addict? Because she's very adamant that she does not want the morphine. Bill also had a drug problem earlier. So is is that what she's going, or is she just afraid that the morphine is tainted? Because obviously Bill- was dosed earlier. How do you read that scene where she rejects the morphine?
1: My um, assumption was that she's associating morphine with being a tool that the killer uses. right? And she does not want to be the next victim because she made that specific reference to, to, um, you know, I don't want to be dosed with morphine in my sleep. That's how I took it now that you raise that, I'm trying to remember if we saw her drinking at dinner or, and just because she drinks doesn't mean that she could, you can drink and not right. do other things. Um, I think it's an interesting point, but I definitely read it to me and she's just afraid of being murdered.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I kind of read it the same way. I just wanted to play with that out because, you know, oftentimes people who get into yeah. these relationships will become addicts together, but- I also tried to work out the math here, and I assume in the flashbacks that they are pretty close to the end of their investigation, which once again is where the right. show began. We began at the yes. end; like that's kind of the frame. I agree. And I can't imagine, like, if she's not an addict with him now, uh, you know, they would have had to introduce that earlier, right? That he they start fixing together or something, not like a week before they broke up, because that wouldn't be enough time to become addicted, I think. But unless you, get yeah, I
1: mean, we away. saw her slam that airplane bottle of alcohol, right. but that was not—I don't think—that's what we were supposed to take from that scene. And oh, we do know courage. she yeah, yeah. has that weird coffee and Coke fixation, but hey, true, to each true. their own. You know, they, total tangent, but they were marketing a Coke with coffee in it um, yes. a couple of years mm-hmm. yep. ago. Yeah, it was yeah. terrible. I, and I was love gross, Coca-Cola. Yes. It was terrible, but you know, to each <laughs> their own.
0: They're always trying something new. Yep. Caffeinated water. Remember that? That's probably still.
1: Language. Kind of. I don't think I ever tried that.
0: And there's a really tense scene here where it's so funny. I'm like, oh my God, of course the helmet's not going to come off and she's going to die suffocating in there. And I never thought of it with, you know, they're much faster thinkers than I am. Andy's like, we have to do a tracheotomy right now. And I'm like, oh, of course you could do a tracheotomy. But I'm like, that's pretty extreme. But I, at that moment, I'm just like, well, of course she's going to die in there. There's nothing they can do. I'm like, well, I guess I got
1: the same tracheotomy with no drugs, that is pretty oh, yeah. grim.
0: <laughs> well, then you... again, you know what? If I was trapped in that helmet and I saw that countdown of like, I'm running out of air, I'd be like, do it now. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, what else? What's your other option? Okay, present day Victor, just interjecting here, Sona and I had discussed via text. And unfortunately, when we re- when we discuss <laughs> the show, some of the content doesn't end up in the show itself. And I did want to interject because I think there's a very important clue here that I want to draw attention to. If you've seen the episode, you probably noticed a strange selection of shots. When they get into the car, Darby takes off her helmet, places it in the back seat, and we have this actual insert shot of her placing the helmet in the back seat. And then more importantly, we see Xi'an remove her helmet as well. And again, another insert shot of her placing the helmet next to Darby's in the back seat. Now, in general, when there is something as mundane as where you placed your helmet after you took it off your head, and the language of the show or the edit is drawing your attention to something such a mundane detail, it's probably not a mundane detail. So the reason I mentioned this is they remove their helmets. They could have simply flipped them over their shoulders, or they would have even just taken them off, and then we would not even see where the helmets go. It is a useless piece of information most of the time. But not in this case, because remember that that helmet, of course, malfunctions later and nearly kills Alice Braga's character. So, what does this mean? Imagine that there is some kind of hack, that all of these people have been killed by some kind of hack to the system. If that indeed is the case, then perhaps at some point when they are wearing the helmets, there is some decision made by the hacker or the attacker or the AI. Maybe, hey, here's another random clue I'm going to throw in there. Maybe the AI itself. Is killing these people off rather than being Darby's right hand AI person. Anyway, that is all to say. Imagine they're wearing the helmet. It somehow internally identifies that this helmet is the one that Darby's wearing. There's the accident. And the helmets get switched during the walk back to the compound, meaning that, for example, Andy may very well have been trying to kill, just putting a theory out there, trying to kill Darby. And you're like, why would he possibly? want to kill Alice Braga's character, he seems terrified. That could all be an act. But more importantly, he might realize, oh my God, the helmets have been switched. All that is to say that if we're thinking, okay, who would want to kill her? Maybe that isn't the question to ask at this point. Okay. So just putting that out there, I am pretty certain that that is all going to pay off in the end. That is the reason we've been drawn. Our attention has been drawn to that helmet. And with that out of the way, let's get back into the end of this conversation with Sona. And then, of course, after all that drama, she does recover. Uh, she may have lost her voice. We don't know because you may know, have to be a little bit careful there. I assume that she has not. I mean, I figure they probably did a good enough job where they didn't lose her voice. Like, you don't want an actress to lose her voice here. Yeah, interesting in point. But we see that Darby wakes up. She's back in her room again. Zoomer is there. And of course, the last shot of the show, she opens the window and the change in lighting zoomer sneezes oh my gosh what a Mm -hmm. shock who could have possibly (laughs) suspected that zoomer was (laughs) bill's son (laughs) oh my goodness so that's a big reveal luckily it comes this soon i was really concerned that this was going to be a reveal later on i'm like do not drag this on (laughs) that'd be terrible pacing on the shows and that's about all i had Uh, a couple of interesting things i thought you know if lee is going to be shady it is interesting that lee is kind of leading them to the clues like the rf reader etc so is she Drawing people's attention to individual clues, the same way that she had Darby say, hey, check out the Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And as if she couldn't do it herself, it's like as if she is leading people to investigate the clues she wants them to investigate. Mm. So that makes me very suspicious of Lee. I don't know what her motivations would be to, you know, for her to uh, kill Bill off. Um, so that is a big question mark. But it does make her suspicious to me anyway. Do you have any additional suspects? I mean, we barely know anybody on the show, so it's hard to have a suspect.
1: I mean, I guess it could be paternity related if this is a big secret that she's been trying to keep.
0: Right. But then why would she invite Bill there in the first place? Just to off him? But then what? Yeah. You know what's
1: interesting too? This is probably not related to anything. They've been making this distinction of who invited each guest and Mm -hmm. it came up again in this episode. I can't remember how, but like, is that going to mean anything in the end?
0: I think it's just an excuse to explain how you have these people who are totally not disparate group. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Andy would never have invited Darby, but Lee is probably friendly with Bill and mm-hmm. then Bill wanted Darby to come and he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you, you know, she's an investigator, she's actually really smart, blah blah blah, and she's a really good hacker too." So you should invite her, even though she's probably like too low on the radar to be invited to one of these things. Mm-hmm. But Andy Andy would never have invited Darby. So that's kind of an mm-hmm. excuse to I okay. think it's just an excuse to explain how some of these other people are there in the first place. Yeah. And then strangely, just like last year, uh, last week, just like uh, just like last week, we saw the coming attraction scenes. It's very weird. They show maybe two or three scenes for next week, but mostly they're scenes of stuff we've already seen. It's like, okay, well, it's very strange. And they've done that two weeks in a row now with their coming attractions so, Does that mean I that didn't get something? any
1: scenes on <laughs> so my get- version? No. Oh, you
0: didn't. Okay. Weird. That makes me concerned a little bit that there's maybe not that much story left. That's my, like maybe maybe they, they some are
1: some still story. editing it as we speak.
0: <laughs> like, they better not be. They've had this thing in the, you know, they've been delaying this thing for a year because of the strikes and such. They better not be still working on it. <laughs> they could have made those special effects look a little bit better. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I'm still interested.
1: Yeah. Especially knowing there are so few episodes left. I definitely
0: am interested. All right. Thanks again. And I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Talk to you later.